And you're listening to Unusual Sources on C- uh, CFMU Radio. I'm Doug Brown, uh, co-host with Brendan Stone. Uh, been off the air for a long time because of the uh, the uh, shutdown with the uh, uh, COVID-19 virus. So it's uh, good to be back doing some uh, live uh programming again and uh, we're going to you know it, it's august uh this being august 5th tomorrow is the 75th anniversary of the uh bombing of hiroshima uh tragic event and the dawning of a terrible new age that imperils the whole world has ever since. And uh, joining to me, we have uh, a, a, a peace campaigner from the Voice of uh, Women for Peace, uh, uh, Tamara Lorenz. Uh, Tamara, are you there? Hello, Tamara? Hello. Oh, good, good. I'm glad, I'm glad we connected. Uh, so... Um, Tamara, it's it's just uh, uh, you know one day from the seventy fifth anniversary of the uh, bombing of uh, Hiroshima, and um, you know what a tragic event. Uh, but it was the dawning of a terrible new age. You know, we never, the world never had anything comparable to this in terms of pure destructive power. It literally can kill everything in the planet. Uh, and um, so uh, August 6th, you know, is, is I think serves a few purposes. One, one is, uh, you know, a sorrowful commemoration of all the lives lost 75 years ago. Uh, but also it's an opportunity to uh, raise the issue of uh, the risk of nuclear war, which doesn't get that much attention the rest of the year. So, uh, Tamara, you've been very active in the peace movement and uh, nuclear disarmament for sure. Uh, so uh, this year, um, there's a number of things. Uh, there is in the Toronto area a dis- very distinguished uh, survivor of the Hiroshima bombing. Uh, said Zuko uh, Thurlow. And um, she just uh, last month wrote an open letter to our prime minister uh, about the bombing. And uh, uh, it it was really, I thought, a great letter. It was four pages uh, full of information. And uh, the, uh, so uh, Tamara, Tamara, uh, you're 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 based in Waterloo, but I know you 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 campaign everywhere. You you've been quite active uh, 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 on 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 peace and disarmament issues. So, uh, could you give us your thoughts on on uh, the significance of this this horrible anniversary? Yes, uh, let me begin by saying that this year is the seventy fifth uh, anniversary of the tragic 
U.S. atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan. It's also the 75th anniversary of the United Nations, the most important multilateral institution for peace and security. And it was founded to end the scourge of war. And in fact, the very first resolution adopted by the General Assembly at the U.N., in 1946 called for the elimination um, from national armaments of all atomic weapons. And this year is also the 50th anniversary of the coming into force of a really important treaty called the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. And there's 191 countries that are party to that treaty, including Canada. But Canada is not a party to a new important treaty called the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons that came um, that opened for signature three years ago in September of 2017. And Setsuko Thurlow, who you mentioned, is a Japanese-Canadian woman who has been pressing the Trudeau government to sign on to this important new treaty. Setsuko Thurlow is a survivor of the Hiroshima bombings. She was only 13 13 years old when the bomb was dropped on her city. And in fact, she was just a mile from the hypercenter of the explosion. She married a Canadian man, immigrated to, to Canada, and Um, She has dedicated her life to nuclear disarmament. And in 2017, it was Setsuko Thurlow that accepted the Nobel Peace Prize on behalf of the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons. And sadly, our prime minister has refused to meet with Setsuko Thurlow. So not only has Setsuko written to Justin Trudeau, appealing him to him to sign on to this new treaty to abolish nuclear weapons. She has also written to every single uh, country on the planet to appeal to them to show leadership on nuclear disarmament. So there's a lot of uh, work we need to do in Canada to get our country to show leadership on nuclear disarmament because it's a matter, it's, it's absolutely urgent and a matter of human survival. Right. And and not only have we not shown leadership, we uh, have shown opposition because uh, Canada, along with every other NATO country, uh, voted against this new treaty uh, at the UN. That's right. So in uh, from 2016 to 2017, 122 countries began negotiating a new treaty called this, the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, Canada and other NATO countries refused to participate in those negotiations. And when this treaty, like I said, opened for signature in the fall of 2017, Canada and the other NATO countries are refusing to join this new treaty. And that's because NATO is a nuclear-armed alliance that is dominated and dictated by the United States, and the United States possesses nuclear weapons. And for the United States and the NATO countries, they want to maintain um, the the, the threat of nuclear weapons uh, to other countries. It's seen as a source of, of power and control. But... Canadians, we are very concerned about the continued existence of nuclear weapons because even the continued existence of them, um, there can be 
a an intentional or a or an accidental you know launch of these nuclear weapons there's 13,400 nuclear weapons that are in existence today and um, they are 3,000 times more powerful than the bombs that dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki so they pose a grave threat to all of humanity and it's a threat that we can't prepare for if a nuclear bomb for instance were to drop on on Toronto I mean it would absolutely devastate destroy and kill um, you know, millions of people, and it would devastate the the health clinics and the hospitals. Um, there would be there would be uh, no um, medical help. So it's you know it's very different from from a pandemic you know that we're dealing with now. I mean, the, the nuclear a nuclear weapon attack would be um, absolutely catastrophic, and there would be no help available. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what, what a tragedy to be to make make this uh, pandemic look like a, a picnic. Uh, uh, you, you know, just the the uh, the calculations uh, that I've seen. You know, well, first of all, there were there were a series of studies uh, way way back. I think thirty years ago about nuclear winter. So beyond the blast impact. Um, we would change the climate, and we'd change it. We'd change it right away, not not you know down down the road. Uh, and we would ha- have years of nuclear winter, which would destroy our food production. So you, you know everything about it just just is insane that that we should continue to uh, to uh, use uh, or or well we do use them. We use them as a threat. Which uh, you know is is, is uh, in my view very very terrible terrible. Um, so uh, and uh, you know we were saddened about the news in Beirut about the massive explosion there, uh, but that that was uh, you know a, a huge amount of uh, of fertilizer that that went up. Uh, it is nothing compared to what a nuclear bomb would do. That's right. And there's a great video that the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons ICANN produced, and it's available on YouTube, and it's called What If We Nuke a City? And it goes through, you know, what what would happen. And you're absolutely right. Uh, A nuclear winter would cause the collapse of the, uh, the, the total devastation of our agricultural systems, and it would contaminate land and make it infertile for for decades, if not you know, hundreds of years, um, and and, um, and and you know, we we still are very much under um, a nuclear threat. Like as I said, there are thirteen thousand four hundred uh, nuclear weapons still in existence. There are nine countries that uh, possess these weapons: the United States, the United Kingdom, France, Russia, China, Israel, Pakistan, India, and North Korea. The, the major countries, the United States, the United Kingdom, and France, are right now undergoing a modernization of their nuclear arsenals. They're spending, you know, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars to upgrade uh, the, their nuclear weapons. So, for instance, the United States has just just uh, developed a um, a new low yield nuclear weapon, and they deployed that low-yield weapon on their submarines at the beginning of this year. So uh, peace activists around the world are very concerned about 
the nuclear weapons possessing countries modernizing their nuclear arsenals and creating new nuclear weapons, um, especially this low yield weapon. You know, the, the United States could could think that it, it, you know, it's a smaller weapon and so it could be more uh, um, strategically used and it would be it would be absolutely uh, devastating if that were uh, to be the case. And many Canadian peace activists as well are very concerned about about um, uh, U.S. Uh, naval uh, ships with these weapons and submarines, you know, coming into Canadian ports. So we do have to be very concerned about uh, nuclear weapons today. Right. I, I recall that three years ago at the U.N., the NATO countries all had a standard line uh, that they were protected by the nuclear umbrella, which I, I, I find to be a totally ridiculous concept, uh, given what the results of a nuclear weapon uh, are. It's, it's uh, not, nothing, nothing uh, like, a, like an umbrella. It's it just uh, pure destruction. Um, the, yes, the, well, just to, to, to add to that, to that quickly, to say that in 2010, NATO introduced a new strategic concept, and in that concept, it, it called for you know, the retention of nuclear weapons and for their uh, possible use, so they left that on the table. They also uh, maintain a policy of first-strike use, and the United States, with its uh, NATO allies, maintains about 150 uh, tactical nuclear weapons um, in in five NATO countries in Europe. So there are U.S. nuclear weapons in Belgium, Germany, Italy, Netherlands, and Turkey. And there are many, many European peace groups that have been working for decades to try to rid Europe of these nuclear weapons because they know the serious threat that they pose. And they're also very concerned about... Uh, NATO forces moving closer to Russia's border in Eastern Europe. Canada, for instance, has a uh, a battle group. Uh, it's commanding a NATO battle group in Latvia. And um, this is very provocative uh, to uh, Russia. And Russia, of course, is another uh, nuclear weapons-possessing country. So what Na- NATO's continued existence, NATO's uh, continued reliance on nuclear weapons really uh, poses uh, a continued, you know, serious threat to Europe and to international peace and security. Yeah, that's for sure. And and another aspect of NATO is uh, they uh, p- apparently make decisions by consensus, but that consensus uh, seems to only require one country, the U.S. Oh, there's no doubt that the United States uh, dictates uh, what NATO is doing. I mean, the United States. Um, spends $740 billion every year on its military. This is about um, about 75% of what the other NATO members, the other 29 members of NATO spend on their nuclear weapons, uh, sorry, on their, um, on their military. So uh, the United States has a tremendous amount of, of influence by virtue of its massive um, um, armed force, massive military. Uh, And um, uh, NATO has always had an American uh, general at the helm. And um, 
And it's, it's very clear if you look at, at NATO's history that the United States has very much um, uh, influenced and uh, dominated the alliance. Well, that's for sure. And I mean, even at the beginning uh, of, of NATO, uh, things were a little different. I, I think it was always a mistake. I mean, I think the whole thing of the Cold War, where uh, basically we made an enemy of our main a- World War II ally. Uh, but, um, you know, it, uh, since uh, early 1990s, Soviet Union doesn't even exist. Uh, Warsaw Pact doesn't exist. And yet NATO not only exists, but it's expanded. NATO um, has continued to exist uh, since the collapse of the Soviet Union and the collapse of the Warsaw Pact. And it is... It, it, it is extremely troubling, but NATO's continued existence and its current expansion very much uh, represents and is very much um, a plan by Western countries to continue to, to, to dominate uh, international affairs. Uh, NATO is, 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 is a Western-dominated uh, military alliance. It actually it undermines the United Nations. And just in June of this year, the NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg announced a, an expansion plan for NATO even further. So it's called NATO 2030. They want to you know, expand to the Pacific and to, to Latin America. Um, and, it, you know, it's very troubling because uh, NATO requires that all of its members... Um, spend 2% of their GDP on their military. Um, and it, it requires a, a collective uh, defense and participation in very provocative uh, military exercises. If you look at NATO's uh, post-Cold War record over the past uh, 30 years, NATO has been involved in, in a very destructive and illegal uh, interventions, you know, the bombing of Serbia in 1999, the the bombing of Libya in 2011, uh, the, the, this uh, t- devastating, uh, prolonged um, um, uh, military occupation and operation in in Afghanistan, and now their their occupation in in Iraq, and so um, NATO is very much undermining. Uh, you know, peace and security and, and you know, the, the hopes that we have for sustainable development, um, NATO should be abolished. And the Canadian Voice of Women for Peace, we have a very strong uh, opposition to the alliance. We want Canada out of NATO and we want NATO abolished. And we're joined by many other groups around the world. Um, and, you know, we would love assistance uh, with that. Right. And I know... Uh uh, that uh, you have had demonstrations in front of the uh, Canadian uh, NATO office in in Toronto. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure if you've had to alter that because of the pandemic. Yes, in January of 2019, for the 70th anniversary of NATO, the Canadian Voice of Women for Peace had a monthly demonstration outside the NATO Association of Canada office. The NATO Association of Canada is really a propaganda wing for the alliance, and it's funded by 
U.S. weapons manufacturers like Lockheed Martin and General Dynamics. Um, and so uh, we protested every month, and we were trying to raise public and political awareness of our opposition to this male-dominated nuclear-armed military alliance that that uh, is is um is like i said circumventing undermining the united nations and and preventing us from from realizing a world without nuclear weapons that's for sure now uh, currently this is very related to nato uh the canadian government is uh plans to spend i think it's 19 billion dollars on fighter aircraft that's right Last summer, the Canadian government opened up a competition to have a new fleet of fighter jets. They've said that they want to spend $19 billion on 88 new fighter jets. This is to replace Canada's um, CF-18 fighter jets. And uh, at the end of July of this year, the bids are, are due. There are three companies in the running, uh, Boeing with its Super Hornet, Saab, the Swedish uh, uh, defense company with its uh, Gripen and Lockheed Martin with its F-35. And the F-35 can be, um, there is a variant of the F-35 that can carry nuclear bombs. So um, there's there's a, a real concern there. Um, Canada, the Canadian government has not selected a new fighter jet yet. It hasn't signed a contract. So peace groups in this country, we have begun to mobilize. We had a big national day of action on uh, Friday, uh, July 24th, one week before the bids were due. We had protests outside of our members of Parliament's offices. Uh, No fighter jets, strike for climate peace. We delivered letters. Uh, People can go to the Canadian Voice of Women for Peace website to find out uh, more information about this. But, you know, these fighter jets are for fighting and for bombing. This needs to stop. Canada has, you know, signed on to the UN Global Ceasefire. So, you know, we need to seriously think about, you know, the continued existence of fighter aircraft and armed force. You know, in this, in this, new, in this new era, we don't want to go back. Uh, we want... You know, uh, we want a new normal. We want uh, we want international relations, you know, based on peace and friendly relations and and disarmament and and respect for human rights and, and that kind of thing. So um, there and, and 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 another aspect about this fighter jet procurement is is the environmental is the carbon emissions from these fighter aircraft you know one flight of an f-35 is the emissions of a car in an entire year so there's no way for canada to meet our paris agreement targets to reduce carbon emissions by 2030 if we buy these new uh, fighter aircraft so peace activists in this country were saying um uh, cancel the fighter jet procurement and instead invest in green jobs and in a just recovery from this pandemic. Yeah, that would be a much better expenditure. And uh, uh, in terms of monitoring green, greenhouse uh, gases, uh, I, I believe the military is exempt, you know, from uh, any reduction commitments. That's right. 
I will just mention that the U.S. military is the largest institutional consumer of fossil fuel on the planet, and the Canadian Department of National Defense is the largest consumer of fossil fuels uh, among all federal agencies uh, in this country. And and um, because of an exemption in the Kyoto Protocol, all um, military emissions from vehicles and from operations are exempted from the national greenhouse gas inventories and reduction targets. So people can can see this very clearly in the Canadian Department of National Defense's first uh, departmental energy and environmental strategy. It's very clearly laid out there. So there's something called the National uh, Safety and Security Exemption. So all military vehicles like fighter jets, warships, light armored vehicles, they uh, do not have to account uh, for their emissions. And so, you know, there's just no way we can we can fully decarbonize and protect the climate if we continue with this, you know, fossil fuel powered militarism. It really has to stop. And this is why, you know, for our day of action, we said strike for climate peace because we think that peace is absolutely central to climate justice. Okay. Now, can you give us uh, the information again, the, the day of action and how people can participate? Okay, there are many uh, physical and virtual events taking place across uh, the country and, and, uh, and around the world um, over the next few days. So, for instance, uh, tomorrow, August 6th at 8.15 a.m., and also on Sunday, August 9th at 11.50 a.m., the bells are going to be ringing 75 times at Canada's uh, Peace Tower in Ottawa, and uh, bells are also going to be ringing at other cathedrals across the country. There are a number of fantastic webinars that are going to be taking place. But tomorrow you can find out more information at the Hiroshima Day Coalition.ca website. Um, and there are many uh, cities as well that are going to continue to have uh, a physically distant uh, commemorations. Uh, lanterns, for instance, are, are, and a lantern ceremony is going to take place in in Ottawa, and um, and it would be great for Canadians to 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 participate and also to send send uh, a message to their member of parliament and to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to encourage him to encourage our country to to um, sign on and to the treaty on the on the prohibition of nuclear weapons and to show leadership on nuclear disarmament. Uh, we really want Canada to be a leader for peace in, in the world. And so it's going to require uh, pressure from the Canadian public. And we hope people will, will, um, will get, will get uh, um, excited by the events that are taking place to get more informed and then empowered to take action. Oh, excellent. Well, well, well thank you. I know you, you're part of the, uh, uh, a, a central player in all the um, act, peace activists that uh, are involved in this issue. Uh, just going to take a, a, a short uh, break. Uh, this You're listening to Unusual Sources on CFMU Radio 93.3 FM. Uh, I'm Doug Brown. I'm talking to uh, Tamara Lawrence, who's uh, from Voice of uh, Women for Peace. 
So, um, uh, yeah, so it's, it's good we got these events coming up, uh, and you'd mentioned uh, about putting pressure on politicians. I know uh, the uh, Trudeau government uh, is, uh, well, it's been going ahead, you know, opposing the treaty and um, going to spend billions of dollars on, on new armaments. Uh uh, what about other uh, other political figures? Is there any uh, positive movement uh, on that side? Actually, there is a lot of positive movement, and there are things to be hopeful about. So uh, there, there have been some uh, countries like Botswana, for instance, that has just uh, uh, just uh, ratified the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. There are now 40 state parties to this important new treaty. And uh, we're expecting over the next few days more countries to ratify. So there's going to be news coming out. We're very excited to hear about it. Um, I, I think it's also uh, important to mention that there is the ICANN Cities Appeal and Mayors for Peace. There are many Canadian uh, cities and communities that that uh, that want to our country uh, want the want our country to show nuclear disarmament and want the world to be nuclear weapons free. So, for instance, Toronto, Montreal, Halifax, Hamilton—they are members of these important uh, nuclear disarmament networks. And so, there are citizens and communities that are that are that are taking action. There are things to be to be very um, hopeful about. Uh, people can find out more information um, about the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons, uh, find out ways that they can get involved uh, with that, and especially in their own communities. Okay, that's great. I, uh, ICANN is the common ac- acronym, and uh, ICANN, what a distinguished uh, body it is. They were the recipients of the Nobel Peace Prize just uh, three years ago. Um, so um, that's right, and let me just say too that that ICANN is a network of of peace organizations around the world, including the Canadian Voice of Women for Peace, of which I'm a member, and Project Plowshares and other groups. So the uh, ICANN is is very much um, a, you know a Canadian supported international effort, and. And uh, they're doing absolutely fantastic work, and they they deserve the 2017 uh, Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, for sure. That that was a beautiful moment when uh, that was presented, and uh, a co-recipient in that ceremony, of course, was Tsutsuko Thurlow, uh, Canada's own peace activist and uh, Hiroshima bomb survivor. Uh, Tamara, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you are a sor- source of uh, inspiration, really, for your work and, and uh, a, a source of uh, information uh, as well. Because uh, I know uh, we're, we're starting to get a—well, it happens every year at this time, but I was pleased to see in this morning's uh, Toronto Star Bianca McGinney's, um op-ed uh, was uh, Ottawa must acknowledge fault and sign the U nuclear ban treaty? That great article. And, yes, uh, yes. Uh, and let me just say, people can find out more information about that article at the Canadian Foreign Policy Institute, 
And it's based on a really important report that Dr. Uh, Anton Wagner just released called Canada and the Atomic Bomb, looking at Canada's complicity in the development of uh, the nuclear uh, first nuclear bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So I encourage people to go to the Hiroshima Day Coalition.ca website to find out more information about that important report, that article, and also uh, upcoming events. Okay, yeah, and and uh, you know, uh, for in, during the second half of the show today, uh, because it, it, they are long, but I'm I'm going to. Uh, uh, be reading some of the uh, excerpts from uh, uh, Setsuko Thurlow's uh, letter to uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, as well as uh, Bianca McGinney's uh, uh, article in the Star, Star today. So, um, uh, uh, Tamara, thank you so much for joining us today. And, uh, well, we, we will have to do this uh, again as uh, the year rolls on. Thank you very much. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Okay, thank you, Tamara. With peace. Bye. Bye. And that was uh, Tamara Lorenz. Uh, she's a peace activist in Waterloo. Uh, she uh, is uh, with the uh, Canadian Voice of Women uh, for uh, Peace. And uh, uh, we're going to take a, a little bit of a musical break, but as I mentioned, I think for the second half of the show, uh, bro- broken up with some music, uh, 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 because they, they are such good articles out there on on the whole nuclear issue that uh, 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 I'll, I'll read excerpts from from uh, bo- both of them. So we'll be back in a, in, in, in a few minutes uh, uh, with uh, more programming. 